Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod and on Twitter at tck underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at tckpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast, the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK pod, it's been a little bit, a very, very busy week with NFL free agency. Also, we're in the middle of March. It has been March madness. Crazy times right now. Uh, we're not a basketball podcast. We are fantasy football focused. However, I cannot get away from enjoying a little March madness. And shouts out to my ducks rolling into the Sweet 16. Really pumped on that. Very excited. It's been a very busy week. We have a special guest today. We will get to in just a couple of minutes, but Bobby, it has been a while since you and I have been on the podcast together. You and Dweez just uh, wrapped up the coaching changes around the NFL for each division. Lucas and I did a couple uh, check-ins with NFL free agency live in the moment. But tonight we are going to dive in to NFL free agency and recap the AFC side of things. And we'll come back at you on Thursday with the NFC side. So before we bring in our special guest here, Bobby, a couple quick words, man. How are you doing? And uh, how have you how have you been this last week? Have you been getting into March Madness? How is free agency treating you? I know that you had a special treat in free agency, which we'll get to in a little bit. But how's it going, man? It's been a while. Well, I know, Sky, you told me to see other people, and it just didn't work for me. I, I missed you. I'm glad we're back together. It feels good. Uh, I am not a, not a basketball guy uh, for March Madness. I'm NBA, but I don't watch March Madness, unfortunately. So I am clueless, so I'm sure you can talk to our guests about that. Um, <laughs> but other than that, man, free issues, but also as a Giants fan, we got Kenny G. Uh, I just hope that, uh, you know, Jason Garrett utilizes him like they used to use Des Bryant and T.O. back in the day. So very excited. Love free agency. Ready to talk about it today. Awesome, man. Very excited as well. Can't wait to get into it. And uh, if you're just joining us, it's been a while. This is the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 372. We're approaching, uh, we're about three quarters of the way there to episode 400. We got something cooked up special for you there. We're very, very excited to do that. If you have not yet, please make sure to follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, and of course, Facebook and TikTok as well. And per usual, make sure to subscribe on YouTube at the Candlestick Kids. Smash that subscribe button, hit that bell so you don't miss on any of our posts. All right, man, we have buried the lead long enough. This has been a long time coming. I know that you are a big fan of his work. I'm a big fan of his work. We were talking oh, yeah. uh, before the broadcast that you and I have been following for quite a few years, and um, it's been a long time coming to bring on our uh, special guest here. But without any further ado, let's bring in my man, Joe Volpe, a.k.a. Fantasy Football Analyst. Yo, Joe, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on, man. We were, uh, you know, kind of singing your praises pre-episode. <laughs> but, uh, you know, th- the love is real, man. Um, we take what we do here on the TCK very seriously. Um, and we were mentioning to you that not only is your your channel on Instagram over 40K followers, 
um, but you're very interactive with folks. You're always uh, responsive in DMs. Um, you have great content, both visually and contextually. And uh, it's a rare package to have, to bring the content and to look the part, also for you to take the time to follow up on all those DMs, man. So first of all, welcome to the show for the first time. We're very excited to get into this with you today and on Thursday. So we're double dipping with you. Thanks, thanks for that. Um, and just kind of walk us through very quickly, like what, what's, what, what's up with your page and how do you handle all, all of that content? Man, we're, we're nowhere close to the magnitude that you've gotten. It's, it's, uh, it's busy enough. Yeah, it's definitely taken a while, and I appreciate being here. Uh, I think we've had some conversations in the past, so it's nice to finally link up. But, um, yeah, I mean, just four years running, trying to post every day, keep up with this free agency stuff. I actually started uh, four years ago. It was in March, and it was right at the start of free agency. So I remember waking up at, like, 3 in the morning because some news would break. I remember specifically <laughs> Danny Woodhead to the Ravens. And like trying to be the first one to break that news because it happened at it happened at three twenty in the morning. I got the notification from Twitter from like I don't I, probably Schefter or Rappaport, you know, one of those guys. And uh, I, I made it a priority to try to be the one to break that news. And um, that's what I spent my first couple of posts on. After that, I went into doing the off season and all that. And uh, yeah, it's it's been fun. It's been awesome. Um, I'm honored to be where I am now and. Honored to be here with you guys. It seems like a lot of fun. Excellent, man. We're very very excited to have you. We can't wait to get into everything here. We got a lot to cover, obviously, with the AFC side of the breakdown, with the fantasy football side of things for free agency. Again, there's a lot of defensive moves. There's a lot of offensive line moves. Bobby and Dwayne went through the coaching changes already. All three of those are very, very, very important, but not so much for fantasy football. So on this channel, we're going to cover the uh, fantasy implications of the AFC moves here and have the guys break it down for you. So once again, Joe Volpe joining us, AKA fantasy football analyst, make sure you go give him a follow on Instagram, building that Twitter channel as well, but primarily on Instagram. So make sure you go check out the content, please. All right, boys, we got a lot to cover. Let's get into it here. Let's so do it. we have, let's, we're just going to start alphabetically here. So we, we talked before this episode about how we wanted to handle this, right? You can either do it by divisions. You can do it, um, on uh, on alphabeticals, you can do it by magnitude or importance of a particular signing. Um, but we decided just to, we want to cover every team and every move, so we want to just make sure that we do it alphabetically. So we are going to do that here. We're going to kick it off with the Buffalo Bills, who pick up um, Mitch Trubisky and. Armor. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch Trubisky here signs as a backup, of course, one-year $2.5 million deal to back up uh, Josh Allen coming in from Chicago. And Emmanuel Sanders at 34 years old gets another chance at another Super Bowl contender. He has a pretty good uh, record here in his career playing for Super Bowl contenders and in the Super Bowl himself. Signs a one-year deal, filling that John Brown place potentially, but different type of receivers. $6 million deal there with the Buffalo Bills. How do we feel about Trubisky and Emmanuel Sanders? Bobby, we'll start with you. Well, um, I got to tell you, I mean, when I was looking at the the swaps out, right, so it was John Brown for Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, listen, you know, Brown was not involved as much as I thought he was. 52 targets on the end of the season. He did miss a couple games, of course, but, you know, there wasn't like he's vacating 120 targets. I mean, Gabriel Davis is expected to take the second-year leap um, himself in that offense. You still got Cole Beasley. You still got Stephon Diggs. The only thing that's really benefiting this team is that they really – 
necessarily didn't address the tight end. Yes, they signed Jacob Hollister at tight end, and he is kind of a pass-catching tight end, but he's not someone that's going to command four, five, six targets a game. So I do believe that, you know, Emmanuel Sanders being the veteran is going to kind of slide right into the offense, probably be a starter, probably holding back Gabriel Davis overall. But, you know, I just don't think it's going to be a huge fantasy asset for you for this season. I think he's going to probably fall outside the top, you know, 36 wide receivers. Joe, you want to compound on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I was a big advocate for Gabriel Davis pre-Emmanuel Sanders, and I, I'm kind of still in a similar boat because I feel like Sanders traditionally has been this slot hybrid type guy to where he could play on the outside if he needs to, but traditionally he stays in that slot role. So um, obviously Cole Beasley there, and that's his role. He, he did very well last year. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this all pans out, but I haven't given up hope on Gabriel Davis. Um, you mentioned John Brown didn't leave too many targets behind, but I think there is still room for that second year jump. Uh, Sanders being 34 years old, I don't want to cross him out as being a potential factor because I think we all remember when he came back from that Achilles and he played 17 games that following year, which is nuts. And I always talk about that because that's just my yeah. exactly. Yeah, he, he got traded and he ended up playing uh, the full 17 games. So um, everybody else is going to get a taste of that this upcoming season. So we'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, definitely Gabriel Davis, still someone I have my eyes on. Um, again, I, I do want to see how they're going to use Emmanuel Sanders. I want to see how that clashes with Cole Beasley there and uh, if Josh Allen continues because there's no reason to think he won't, but we've seen other quarterbacks have big spurts in the past and kind of fizzle out. So we'll have to see if that was legit from Josh Allen. And I do think, I do think that maybe in redraft leagues the Gabriel Davis hype was heavy before this signing. So maybe we should fade on in redraft leagues, but in dynasty, you should still go out and try to get them probably on the cheaper now, even after the hype, um, assuming they don't do something with another receiver in the draft, because both of these receivers here, Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley, um, both over 30 years old. So if one of those guys come up uh, limp and and part of the season here, you're going to have Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis, who obviously both shined with – Josh Allen, who just continues to get better. So, all right, that's the Buffalo Bills. Let's move on here to the Cleveland Browns. And um, we're going to slide into the Cleveland Browns and the Denver Broncos. Combine a couple of these if they just have a move. Again, not all these very fantasy relevant, but I want to cover them quickly. Rashad Higgins comes back to the Browns, re-signs one year, $2.3 million deal. And Mike Boone comes over on a two-year deal, $2.5 million, to Denver. Now, Mike Boone was kind of the third-and-a-half wheel in Minnesota behind Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, of course. Um, but now he gets a real chance to be the backup with Philip Lindsay leaving, which we'll get into in a little bit. And Melvin Gordon has had hiccups in his career. So Mike Boone could have some potential, still just 25 years old. Uh, we'll start with Higgins and then go to Boone. Joe, we'll start with you on this one. Yeah, so I feel like with Higgins, that was kind of a – gave some uh, Donovan People-Jones fans some blue balls there. They thought maybe <laughs> maybe they had their, uh, their chance to get their little dynasty asset into relevance, but, um, you know, not, not to say it still can't happen, but Higgins has been a fine receiver for them. And I think he's been a great third guy, um, signing him to a 2.3 million deal. I think it was a great deal for them. Uh, Odell Beckham coming off with was he a torn ACL, right? At his yeah. age, what is he like almost 30? So yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's, uh, not a situation where I'm targeting Higgins, but more so important for, people who are holding on to Donovan People-Jones. And the fact that it's a one-year, you know, at, at the end of this year, Odell could be gone, Jarvis Landry to be determined. And if that happens, People-Jones can still jump up and take that spot. So 
Um, not really targeting Higgins, but still noteworthy for those in Dynasty. Yeah. And and when it com- yeah. Go ahead, Joe. No. Any, oh. thought, any, any thoughts on Mike Boone? Uh, you know, like you said, he was uh, you ripped some people's heart outs, hearts out two years ago in the fantasy championships when some people thought he was the answer. And uh, <laughs> I used that to my advantage. And uh, I actually let the guy who was playing pick up Mike Boone because I wasn't really a huge fan of him for that championship week. I played that card and thankfully it worked out. But, um, yeah, you know, Royce Freeman being the sole backup right now. Mike Boone coming in has a chance to take that job from him. Freeman hasn't been anything impressive. And as uh, Sky, you mentioned, Gordon's had some hiccups. He's been cleared from his legal troubles for now, but uh, the hiccups also include injuries. So there's definitely some opportunity. I think Mike Boone might be a waiver name at some point during the course of the 18-week uh, season. I, so do he think I do think he's a bit sneaky. Bob, you want to add anything to these two guys? Uh, Higgins, no. Uh, I think it's just Odell coming back from injury. It just kind of shakes up everything. It's not even a free agent move. Odell is going to be – that's a huge target hog coming back, and that offense only vacated four targets. So someone's going to be losing targets or they're going to have a big boon in the second year. Uh, no pun intended for what we're talking about boon. But, uh, you know, in targets overall in that second year of that Brown scheme. So I think that's something to watch, especially with Landry and with Njoku and Austin Hooper ADPs. you got to remember Odell being fused back in could – ding them a little bit. As for Mike Boone, I think for me, listen, Lindsay did have a significant role. I mean, he did get over a hundred touches about buck 25 last year. That puts him probably just outside that flex radar. He's not probably a standalone play, but he's a high end handcuff because that offense, listen, Drew Locke is the only thing holding them back. Pat Shermer in years past has been very known for having bell cow running backs. Melvin Gordon's probably going to be a bell cow, but if Melvin Gordon goes down, it's Mike Boone's job. So he's going to be a high-end handcuff, someone that if you're a Melvin Gordon owner, you might want to hang on to him maybe for a couple weeks in the beginning of the year just to make sure everything goes smooth. But I just think that, you know, there is a little bit of a role here. He might provide some type of, you know, about 10, maybe just under 10 touches a game. But if, if anything does happen to Melvin Gordon, we're talking huge opportunity for him in this offense. Yeah, and there's been there's been I won't call it hype per se, but he's been a low level stash stash for a couple of years. Again, still just 25. He did let people down in the championship, which in fantasy circles can really kind of scar his reputation yeah. until he does better than that. However, um, if he gets an opportunity in an offense which should be much better in Denver, Cortland Sutton coming back and all those receivers and uh, tight ends getting healthy as well to upgrade a quarterback um, should be a great opportunity for. For him, So just kind of some deeper stash names, Richard Higgins for the Browns and Mike Boone of the Denver Broncos. Let's move on to Houston, who is a train wreck as a franchise. And <laughs> there's a lot of things going on on and off the field behind closed doors. You know, there's a lot of unsettled things, which we're not going to get into if you're catching my drift here. But um, they have made by far the most moves. Um, 23 free agent moves as of this episode. They're probably going to do something in the draft, maybe make a couple of changes. And what's crazy to understand is all the moves that they've made are one- or two-year deals. The only three-year-plus deal they've made is to a punter. So they're going to have to do this. They're going to have to do this all over again next year and the year after that, and we will see – what happens with Deshaun Watson on a number of levels in the next couple months and seasons. They bring in Terod Taylor, obviously lost his opportunity with the Chargers last year on a fluke incident uh, with the trainer. My man, Jay Herbs, on this side here, uh, came in, lit the world on fire, rookie of the year, uh, signed a one-year deal, six, 
one year six million dollar deal with Houston Trod Taylor to be the backup, which makes me think that they're preparing for Deshaun Watson not to be there legally or sitting out or trading. Either way, they're preparing for life after Deshaun Watson. Next up, look, maybe a uh, low-level fantasy Hall of Famer, but over the hill here, Mark Ingram, 31 years old, one-year, $2.5 million deal. Philip Lindsay from those Denver Broncos we just talked about heads to Houston as well as the third-string running back, uh, third downs back. Maybe they still have David Johnson, let's not forget. Uh, maybe Philip Lindsay is the Duke Johnson this year, 27 years old, one-year, $3.25 million deal as well in Duke Johnson walks. So lots going on in Houston, couple names to talk about at least, but not very, uh, not very sexy here for fantasy. Joe, we'll start with you. Yeah. So starting with Tyrod Taylor, I mean, his contract based 6 million. And uh, when they initially announced it, they announced it as a one year, 12 million deal. Obviously they always start off with that number and then the contracts de- details roll in and they say, Oh, you know, with incentives, so, yeah, with incentives, it can get up to $12 million, which kind of talks to your point, Sky, that they might be moving on from Deshaun Watson, whether it's you know legal issues or trading or whatever it ends up being. So um, Tyron might be the bridge in that sense. Uh, when it comes to these running backs, Mark Ingram, not someone I'm overall interested in. He was inactive for a handful of games at the end of last year. Uh, if anyone's really going to get their way out of this backfield, I think it's going to be Philip Lindsay. And the reason for that is David Johnson is only on the team because he took a pay cut. They talked to him. He restructured his contract contract. And if he hadn't done that, he would not be on the team right now. Uh, he, he restructured his contract around the same time they cut Duke Johnson. So they were trying to clean house at that point to prep for signing all these 23 free agents, the one year deals. But um, yeah, in this backfield, it's just going to be the ADP game. You know, it's going to be David Johnson. If he's going to be drafted in the sixth, seventh round, if Phil Blinsey's going to be the guy in the ninth or eighth or 10th or whatever round, then he's going to be the guy I'm looking at. And he's going to be the, I don't know if I'd call him a sleeper, but again, you know, I, I think he's the only guy who can kind of go up from where he is at his current situation. I don't see David Johnson improving. And uh, you mentioned Mark Ingram already being 31, being inactive for a handful of games last year. I don't really see him taking a step up either at this point. Yeah, the thing that worries me with Mark Ingram is the new head coach, David Culley, brought him over from the Ravens, right? There could be that, like, right. he's my guy from my old team type thing going on. Yeah. And, you know, he's going to get eaten. Like, even if it's six to eight touches, we saw how much that impacted the Ravens' backfield when it had Gus Edwards and, and Dobbins last year. So that's the one thing I worry about is that Ingram, even though he's not going to be a fantasy asset, is he going to be a drain? Because another thing about this offense, and Tim Kelly's coming back, the offensive coordinator, they don't throw to the running back. I mean, they have not been a, a very high-volume running back receiving team, so you're really relying on just running back carry touches, and that's a problem. So when you're Philip Lindsay and David Johnson, you're getting about 8 to 10 or maybe even 12 carries. It's going to be tough to be a true fantasy asset if you're not getting passing game work. And then you're working Mark Ingram in there for 6 to 8. It's just going to be a nightmare. Um, I am interested to see where ADP and, and you're right. You nailed on the head, Joe. Like it, it matters where ADP is. But I think the biggest winner of this whole thing is probably – I know, Scott, we're going to talk about this later, but Brandon Cooks because the guys they brought in aren't – like they, they brought in a lot of uh, quantity but not a lot of quality receivers. You know, there is no Will Fuller coming in. You know, Dante Moncrief had his moments. And trust me, I, I liked it. I drafted him in the, with the Pittsburgh a couple of years ago. I'll admit it. I'm open to it. Yeah. Uh, but there isn't – they haven't brought in that marquee guy to replace Will Fuller. So Cooks looks like, to me, the biggest winner of this group – Unless Deshaun Watson leaves, and then it's a whole different ball game. 
Uh, but Tyrod yeah. Taylor at least shows some competency as at a quarterback, so at least they won't be starting over completely. But I think overall, I think the only guy that I really think won from this whole experiment is probably Brandon Cooks. And, you know, Bobby, you kind of alluded to it here, but we're going to follow up uh, next week potentially on an episode where we're actually going to look at free agency backward. And part of that is going to be what Bobby just said. We're not going to talk about Brandon Cooks today because he did not just join the team. We're talking about guys who have just been acquired via – you know, uh, trade or free agency, but we're going to look at free agency backward. And we're actually going to take those, this conversation of all these running backs and say, okay, we've already talked about all them. Who else on the team does this actually affect positively or negatively? Then we'll start bringing in guys like Brandon cooks. Uh, so I think that's a, a great kind of precursor to another episode we have coming in. A little teaser, a little teaser, a little teaser. Okay. All right, let's move on to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, a little bit of old news here, but again, we're just kind of crossing off all the all the all the T's here. Carson Wentz acquired by trade from Philadelphia. We know about that. Marlon Mack re-signed, still just 25 years old, lost to injury last season, had a great season before that. Obviously, John Jonathan Taylor comes in. Uh, Jordan Wilkins had a had a nice season when he got opportunity. Naheem Hines had two huge games. Uh, but they do bring back Marlon Mack. I expected him to leave. They do bring him back. So they were four-man rosters of now. Resigned to a one-year, $2 million deal. And T.Y. Hilton's still floating around. He's a free agent as of this podcast. Um, so quickly, uh, and again, Joe, we'll start with you here. Um, Carson Wentz, the trade itself is old news. Uh, but quick thoughts on that if you'd like to. And then is Marlon Mack, I think it's safe to say he's not coming in as the starter in training camp. Jonathan Taylor proved himself in the second half of the season. However, the Colts, even with Jonathan Taylor starting to grow, they had no problem throwing Naheem Hines out there for like four drives in a row. Jonathan Wilkins getting, you know, first and goal, second and goal, third and goal um, before they had to kick a field goal and stuff. So they're not afraid to go away from a one-back system. And if Marlon Mack can actually come back healthy from a torn Achilles, which is rare, but if he does, is he actually going to be fantasy viable and maybe just mention T.Y. Hilton quickly if you think he's going to pick up somewhere and where he might be a good fit. Yeah, so starting with Carson Wentz, um, I, I was always a believer that he was going to go to Indy and reunite with uh, Frank Reich. I, I always thought that was just going to be the case, whether it happened right away or a couple weeks later, and it did end up happening. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's got a great line in front of him. He doesn't have Jalen Hurts breathing down his neck. He doesn't have an indecisive head coach deciding who, you know, who's going to start this week, who's going to start next week. And that kind of messes with you. And if you look at what Carson Wentz did last year in Indy, he lost his entire offensive line. I mean, from the start, Lane Johnson was out for a while. I think he ended up getting a serious injury. Uh, Brandon Brooks, right before the season started, had that torn Achilles. So, yeah, all across the line, there's other names, too, that were missing a ton of games, but they didn't have their entire offensive line. The wide receivers, Alshon Jeffrey, never really was there. Deshaun Jackson was there for like a game or so. Um, Jalen Rieger, a rookie, they had to rely on Travis Fulgham, 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 Fulgham for a little bit. So uh, yeah, I mean, nothing to work with, no line to protect him, constantly having to worry about whether he's going to replace next week, his ego shattered. But now he's in a nice location where you got Quentin Nelson hugging you and holding you steady and <laughs> keeping you safe for the entirety of the 17 games or whatever we're going to play next season. But, um, yeah, so I think Carson Wentz in a much better place is more comfortable there. Again, he doesn't really have the receivers right now. But uh, T.Y. Hilton, they've said that 
Uh, I, I believe it was Kenny Moore who tweeted that they already brought him back. We haven't seen anything official contractually yet, but Kenny Moore did say that they brought the ghost back, which, as you guys know, is TY's thing. So uh, we'll see how that turns out. I know he's gotten a couple other offers and doing a couple other visits as we speak, but um, we'll see how that shakes out. Marlon Mack, he's interesting. He's not someone who I was ever really a fan of. I thought he was more of a product of the system. Um, I, that year he had, he had the one good year, thankfully because of Clinton Nelson, what that offensive line was able to provide for him, uh, lack of an offense with Jacoby Brissett there. So yeah, I mean, he, now that he's back off a of torn Achilles, it's going to be tough. He's going to be that third fiddle. He's going to be that change of pace. Uh, Sky, you mentioned it. They're not afraid to have multiple running backs in there. I think Naheem Hines is going to take a little bit of a step back, although he did look really, really good from time to time. And I was a huge uh, Naheem Hines uh, truther last year. So that worked out in the end. But yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Marlon Mack's individual value. He might take away a little bit from Jonathan Taylor, but he's easily going to be, uh, I'm talking about Taylor here, he's easily going to be the 1A and definitely a shoe in for a top 10 running back in my opinion. Yeah, uh, listen, with the Carson Wentz thing, I, I think if T.Y. Hilton comes back, it's gonna. Michael Pittman needs to take the next step. T.Y. Hilton really can't stay on the field. He's not been healthy the last couple of years. And when T.Y. Hilton goes out, they didn't really have the true number one. Michael Pittman showed flashes as a rookie, but then you're dealing with guys like Zach Pascal, who are fine, but they're not lead outside wide receivers, the dominant number one. So I – and listen, you can only do so much like the Eagles did with two tight end sets, even if you have Ertz and Goddard. And you know, I know you're a Patriots page, fan. I'm sure it's going to work out. I'm sure it's going to be fine. <laughs> uh, but I just think that you need those playmakers. So if Pittman takes the next step and really can hold down that tree number one, and then you make T.Y. Hilton that nice complimentary number two, now we're talking. And Paris Campbell comes back. If he can finally stay healthy, I think that's something that Carson Wentz, right behind that awesome offensive line that's returning four or five starters. The Marlon Mack thing is, listen, Jonathan Taylor's a stud. I think we saw that. The problem is Marlon Mack was a stud two years ago before he got he got hurt last year. Even he had a thousand yard rushing season with Jacoby Brissett running the show, and then the year before that, in only twelve games, he almost had a thousand yards with Andrew Luck. So he's shown that he can work in this offense. He's probably going to be another guy who's siphoned six to eight touches. That being said, I don't think I'm fading Jonathan Taylor at all. This offensive line's too good. Carson Wentz in this this team could take the next step uh, and put him in better scoring positions. I think he's going to take the next step in his second year. So. I'm not fading him. I think one little tidbit, too, is Trey Burton leaving. That does make three tight ends to two is not necessarily like Mo Alley Cox and Jack Doyle aren't the greatest assets, I guess. But at the same time, from a fantasy perspective, this offense uses tight ends. So at least you take out Trey Burton. That's 47 targets from last year. That could be a little bump, bump, maybe big Jack Doyle. I know we got burnt last year on this guy, but Jack Doyle gets back into that low end tight end one next year. I also wanted to add real quick, sorry, just the, uh, I, I do believe Zach Ertz is going to be on his way to Philly. Um, I was just going to ask. Yeah, exactly. I, so I, they had trade interest, I think, earlier on, but Chris Ballard, 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 however you want to say his name, uh, he loves his draft picks. He, he's very stingy with those. He does not want to give those things away. So I, I truly think he's waiting for Zach Ertz to just be released at this point. Mm-hmm. And then the second that happens, he's going to reel him in. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's at least my opinion on that. I think Zach Ertz is going to end up joining this team as well. I actually 100% agree, and I was going to say that I was going to say that as well. And <laughs> we'll see what happens. I mean, I think Jack Doyle has the opportunity to to do it, but he has a trouble staying healthy. And Molly Cox is fun, uh, and he's massive, but not an in between the twenties guy. He's a red zone target, and Zach Ertz can maybe get him in between. 
the twenties here and there if, if that's what they decide to do. All right, boys, I am actually going to pull an Omaha here. Um, we do have a question. Uh, we have a listener, a, a viewer who's been sitting in here for a while and has a question. I want to make sure we get to that before too long here. So let's jump ahead all the way to what we had at the end here. Let's go to the Steelers and I'm going to bring up the Steelers slash Titans. We'll jump ahead and then we'll get back to our regular uh, scheduled programming. Juju Schuster re-signed one year, $8 million deal to Pittsburgh. A lot of people thought he was going to leave. I thought he might end up with the Raiders or somebody else that basically needed a quality underneath option there. But he does come back to the Steelers. One year, $8 million. James Conner uh, still at large. Um, and then I, I paired them together, so I'm going to mention them here um, on the graph. My boy Josh Reynolds, formerly of the Rams, I always wanted him to get a significant shot, but behind Cup and Woods, it just wasn't possible. However, he did have a couple good games when one of those guys were out. So Josh Reynolds ends up signing with the uh, Tennessee Titans. And then, uh, Bobby, your boy Anthony Ferkser takes over for uh, Jonu Smith as the guy for now. Um, and then Jeff Swaim re-signs as well. I just wanted to mention them here as they do have a second tight end. So a lot of names to cover, but I wanted to highlight quickly uh, – the Steelers. So thoughts on Juju returning, um, Big Ben obviously coming back, James Conner at large. But, Bobby, maybe you can pull up the tweet or I'll pull it up for you. Uh, you had the running back uh, situation in Pittsburgh really dialed recently. Um, I'll give you a second on that if you'd like. Go ahead. No, I, I just brought up the fact that new OC Matt Canada coached four of the running backs in college. And it's just like a complete random fun fact. Um, but Anthony McFarland to me is someone that's interesting because of that. He coached him in 2018 when he had his breakout season at Maryland and Canada's history with running backs. They, all you hear about is his run game concepts from his time in college. So I, I do think that was interesting, but Benny Snell's from what I'm hearing so far is sitting on top of the depth chart as of today as the veteran. So, you know, James Conner might come back too. You can see that very simply. But overall, I do think Anthony McFarland to me is very interesting because of his connections to Matt Canada and with James Conner. Hopefully he goes. I would like to see less. I mean, Juju coming back really throws a wrench in everybody necessarily taking the next step because is there really going to be enough targets to go around uh, with Eric Ebron still on board and Deontay Johnson and, and company? But, you know, listen, big, all they did was throw last year. I mean, they could not run the football at all. The hope is Matt Canada can come in and establish that ground game again. So that's you're, if you're not expecting as many targets, you know, someone's going to lose out. And that's going to be probably James Washington, which we hope, because we're hoping that, you know, they move to the three-receiver set. He fades out, and those three guys can kind of emerge full-time. Uh, but overall, I just think that, you know, Juju coming back to this offense, when he had offers from, like, the Ravens, for example, even the Kansas City Chiefs, he had an offer from the Chiefs. Like, what are we – I just ah, – what are we doing? Like, oh, my God, I just don't get it. But him coming back, at least you get those guys back in there. Because we're talking about who's going to play the slot if Juju leaves. At least we now know that Deontay Johnson is going to stay in the Antonio Brown role. You're going to have Juju in the slot. So I think overall for me, I, I'm not the biggest fan. I don't like overcrowding. But maybe Big Ben, two years removed from his arm injury, can take the next step next year. So ultimately, I'll ask this question here. Akash Patel wants to know, will Deontay Johnson still be – top 12 worthy with Juju's return? Uh, it's tough. It, it's tough. Um, I, I really don't I, – I didn't. I wouldn't really classify Deontay as a top 12 receiver. I mean, top 12 worthy, I guess, is a point with all the targets he got. But I think we're going to see a different offense with Matt Canada, as, um, you know, as Bobby mentioned. I think we're going to see – most importantly, we're going to see more play action. And that's something the Steelers have been awful with for quite some time. 
prior to last year, the Steelers did play action on, uh, from, I think it was 2015, 2019. They did play action on just 13% of their plays. And they just do not implement that nearly enough. So I, I think having a guy like Chase Claypool as well, which I think a lot of people were expecting that Chase Claypool break out this upcoming year. But I think it's still going to happen because I think Canada's going to introduce more play-action plays, which is really going to benefit guys like Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool on the outside. Um, it, it's really just about Big Ben, too, because I think Ben was – I mean, obviously, Ben is the reason Deontay did so well, but it was the hyper-targeting of Deontay Johnson. It was the 10-plus targets. <laughs> Deontay Johnson's top 12 all the time. Gosh. But, um, yeah, I mean, look – I, I still think Deontay Johnson can reach that top 12 and it's just going to boil down to what big Ben's tendencies are. If that's going to change with Juju coming back, if that's going to change with Matt Canada being there. Um, maybe Chase Claypool takes that step up. Eric Ebron got involved from time to time last year as well. So if this is a more balanced offense, because as Bobby said, they could not run the ball last year, then uh, we may not see that this year. Fair enough. Akash, I appreciate you uh, chiming in, man, on YouTube, I believe. So thank you so much for sticking with us here. And uh, come back and visit us on Thursday as well. Uh, we'll be breaking down the NFC, uh, and Joe will join us again there. All right, boys, we are going to take a quick commercial break. we got to give shouts out here to our family at the Jersey Jungle. Here's the deal, folks. You can get NFL authentic jerseys from the Jersey Jungle. That's at the Jersey Jungle on Instagram. You can use the code TCK to receive 10% off of one jersey or two jerseys, 15% off of three or more jerseys. Just hit up Jersey Jungle on Instagram. Hit up my man Trenton. He's got a huge variety of jerseys. Look, we're an NFL fantasy football show, but this is March Madness. He has college basketball flying off the shelves right now. We just got done with the Super Bowl. We have, you know, Tom Brady, like creamsicle Buccaneers jerseys, if you want those. He has throwback Hall of Fame style jerseys. Um, I have an Earl Campbell from the Oilers back in the day. Uh, as you can see behind me, uh, you guys know that I'm always bringing on that Justin Herbert over here over my shoulder, that baby blue, fresh uh, Chargers jersey here. So make sure to check it out if you'd like to. You've heard Dweez on the channel talk a long time about getting the three young studs. Um, in Washington, um, Chase Young, Terry McLaurin, and uh, Antonio Gibson with the Washington football team trio, because once they get a new team name, that Washington football team will not be the team name anymore. So it's a collector's item. Three young studs should be prominent in the league for a very long time. You can do throwbacks as well. I know Bobby's got uh, his one of his favorite players on his favorite team now in Kenny Galladay of the Giants, so that would be an easy one. Joe, I've got to ask you, you're a Patriots fan. But if you were to get any jersey right now in the NFL you don't already have, what jersey would you be looking for? We talking Patriots jersey? We talking any Anything jersey? Anything you want, brother. Anything. Oh, gosh. If I could pick one jersey. Um, I, I think uh, I've talked to Bobby about this once, but I, I think I'd want a Joe Mixon jersey. I love huh? it. Joe Mixon. Awesome. There's only one answer, though. Brian Fitzpatrick, Washington. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like there's not no. I was I was gonna throw out Corey Dillon uh, on the Patriots, but nonetheless, if you'd yeah. like to go get a Joe Mixon jersey, make sure you hit up the Jersey Jungle DM on Instagram specifically, the Jersey Jungle. Hit him up, let him know that Bobby Sky and Joe sent you from TCK. Use the TCK promo code for ten percent off of one or two jerseys, fifteen percent off of 
three. Shouts out to our friends over at the Jersey Jungle. All right, Joe, let's get back to it here. Let's jump in with the uh, – let's see here. We are on the Jacksonville Jaguars who have many a move. They also have the number one pick. I think it's a foregone conclusion that's going to be um, Trevor Lawrence, but did they bring in enough around him? That's really my question. So Carlos Hyde, longtime veteran, uh, you know, started with my Niners, backing up Frankie Gore. He had a great season there, moves on. Plays for a number of teams after that. Um, Seattle, Cleveland, Houston. Uh, signed a two-year deal for $6 million. They already have James Robinson, who we all loved, uh, off of waivers in fantasy football last year. So this is one of those, like, fantasy football backwards when we do free agency. We'll talk about James Robinson during this conversation. But for today, we'll talk about Carlos Hyde. Jamal Agnew, not really a name most people know. Four years with Detroit, kind of a, a flex kick returner, hybrid running back wide receiver, if you will. Um, but he has been in the league for quite a while. Philip Dorsett comes over as well, had a stint with the Patriots and the Seahawks. And my man, the veteran, Marvin Jones, 31 years old, two-year deal, $14.5 million. Uh, no chump change there for a, a, a really reliable NFL solid veteran receiver there for uh, Trevor Lawrence. So, uh, Bobby, I'll let you kick this one off here. Um, Carlos Hyde and Marvin Jones, probably the, the fantasy prominent names, but Jamal Agnew um, and uh, Philip Dorsett also coming in for Jacksonville. Yeah, I think it's been a common theme this offseason where these sophomore running backs are kind of getting dinged a little bit. Carlos Hyde is Urban Meyer's guy from back Ohio State days, so there is a little bit of correlation there. Um, you know, Daryl Bevel, the thing, same thing coming from, from Detroit, his connections with Marvin Jones. What does that say for a guy like DJ Chark, uh, for example? I think that, listen, this, this offense has the second most vacated targets uh, this offseason. So that's good news for guys like Marvin Jones who are stepping into roles that are vacated by guys like Keelan Cole. You know, Tyler Eifert even had 60-plus targets in this offense. So there's a lot of room for these guys, even with the guys still on the team like Chenault and DJ Chark. And, of course, Trevor Lawrence shot in the arm. I think that Daryl Bevel has implemented very play-action heavy schemes, but they also take a lot of shots downfield. They did that a lot with Matthew Stafford. So I think Trevor Lawrence is going to come in. He's going to have DJ Chark on one side, Marvin Jones on the other. That sounds pretty good to me. And with Chanel playing a little bit on the inside, little yards after the catch, Urban Meyer, more an Urban Meyer type receiver. So I do believe that this is a good fit for Marvin Jones. Um, Carlos side, yeah, I think he's going to be another floor in the side. But I think James Robinson, he, he's an undrafted free agent. He was brought in by the previous coaching staff. So those things always kind of worry you a little bit when they go out and they prioritize bringing in a veteran running back with coaching history on his side. So I do think that it's something to watch. Um, I think if you're in Dynasty, I don't know if I'm going to be touching James Robinson with via trade just yet. But overall, I do like some of the moves they made. Yeah, absolutely. And um, in terms of Hyde, I think you, I think you hit it all on the nail. I mean, Hyde, the familiarity with Urban Meyer. Um, I'm just so thankful for fantasy purposes that they did not go after Curtis Samuel, that they're just going to let LaVisca keep that uh, slot role and potentially be Urban Meyer's new toy. So uh, I'm really excited about that. Um, you mentioned the play-action plays with Marvin Jones and DJ Chark on the outside. I do like that. I'm hoping maybe the end of the first round, beginning of the second, uh, the Jaguars can pick on uh, Pratt, Pat Freermuth. Gosh, these names are Friermuth. Uh, thank you. Or Brevin Jordan and uh, get a decent uh, rookie tight end for this year. But, um, yeah, I think the weapons are well enough. And with James Robinson, again, you mentioned 
That was the past regime. Undrafted free agent. This new organization has no ties to James Robinson. So um, I think especially he won't see the passing volume he did last year. Uh, and that's really going to hurt him alone. And then if Carlos Hyde comes in and because uh, he can't have. Yeah. And, and I definitely understand that because they definitely need someone. They do need presence behind James Robinson. But at the same time, I mean, he could take it away. And James Robinson's not going to see that 94% of snaps he saw last year. He's not going to see near close to 100 every single game. He's going to lose in passing volume as well, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think that James Robinson's going to fade out necessarily. It's certainly not early on. But Carlos Hyde's not coming in with the connection to Urban Meyer with a two-year deal um, to sit on the bench. He's not. He's a capable running back. He doesn't really have the burst. Uh, but he's a decent pass catcher. He's a good goal line guy. And if nothing else, he can take third downs. Or if nothing else, he can spa, um, spell a, a drive here and there. And um, the reality is they're bringing in Carlos Hyde to protect uh, Trevor Lawrence. And you have a veteran who can pass protect as well, uh, which is just as important as having young running backs there. So I agree with you guys. I'm really excited to see what Marvin Jones can continue to do with Daryl Bevel here. And uh, hopefully they can turn him loose. Quick side note. LaVisca Chenault, we'll talk more later when we do the free agency backwards episode, but for the OGs out there, if you remember a decade ago, Percy Harvin and what he was able to do, um, just phenomenal at Florida under Urban Meyer as well. And LaVisca Chenault is a similar type wide receiver hybrid uh, running back as well to get you know a quick two-yard pass over the middle and make plays happen. So I'm excited to uh, potentially see that develop. And Percy Harvin played with Daryl Bubba with the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota so Vikings. Of, yeah, it's a great fit, yeah. A lot of what, Bobby? What is there? Continuity. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, boys. Hey, uh, no, no additions here per se, but I would just quickly want to cover the Chiefs. So the Chiefs are the Chiefs. They're going to be fine. But they released Damian Williams, who sat out due to COVID. Um, mm-hmm. His mother, I believe, has or had cancer. I don't want to misspeak on that. But nonetheless, has an illness. He sat out, didn't want to contract it and give it to her. I super respect that. Sat out the season. In my opinion, should have had the Super Bowl MVP against my Niners two years ago, but I digress. Nonetheless, he sits out for health reasons. They cut him. A little dirty, in my opinion. They do re-sign, though, Daryl Williams, who's the guy behind him. And Le'Veon Bell is still at large as well. I do want to cover Jared Cook in a minute to go into the Chargers. Uh, instead of Hunter Henry. But let's talk about the Chiefs very quickly. Is Daryl Williams actually a thing? Le'Veon Bell may not come back. CEH uh, is fun to hope, but he's not. Brian Westbrook, we all thought he was going to be last year, getting drafted in the top 10, first running back off the board last year. Um, so just quickly, Joe, I'll let you answer this one, and Bobby, I'll let you get into Jordan, uh, Jared Cook. Um, thoughts on the Chiefs releasing Damian Williams. Le'Veon Bell is not on the team as of right now. Bringing back Daryl Williams and they have CEH. How do you feel about this backfield in Kansas City? I, I think they like Daryl Williams in that backup complimentary role to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, you know, Clyde had a little bit of a messy first year. He had some spurts, but he'd also dealt with a handful of injuries as well, including, a, I believe it was a high ankle sprain uh, at the end of the season. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, yeah. So going to next year without Le'Veon Bell there, um, Damian Williams, who again, we, we thought was going to be returning into this backfield. He's not going to be there either. So there is a lot more opportunity for a guy like Clyde to take that next step and take his to the next level. Obviously, he's got all the tools he needs 
Uh, hopefully they'll get some tackles in the draft because I know they released Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, so that kind of leaves a little bit of a hole in that aspect. But they did bring in Joe Tooney, um, I believe. Uh, who else they brought Kyle in? Long. Right? Kyle Long. Yeah, they got Kyle Long too. So out of retirement too. So he's out of re- he's he's coming back for a reason. That's uh, get one that brings. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah. yeah, they did. You know, you lose some, you gain some. Um, no matter what, they still have Tyreek Hill stretching that field. You got Travis Kelsey. There's no reason for Clyde to ever really see a stacked box. So it really just goes about how well he can adjust to being in a second year. Um, maybe with less COVID restrictions, he can get a little extra work in on the off season. So we'll see. Well, it, there's a lot of. Um, but what do you guys think his ceiling is? What do you think Clyde's ceiling is? Do you think he has the same? ceiling as last year or would you say it's a little lower i'll let you know bobby you take over yeah bobby go ahead first well yeah i think i think the biggest thing for Clyde would improve in pass pro needs to be trusted on third down we saw daryl williams way too much on third downs playing a passing game role i mean listen you know patrick mahomes isn't checking down that much but we saw damian williams for example even cream hunt have some success in this offense through the passing game as well and i think his ceiling can take another step if he's trusted to be a true three down back right now, they don't trust him to be, but like you just touched on, it was a COVID off season. They didn't have a lot of time to get, that's probably the hardest thing for him to do is pick up pass protections. So they wanted to keep a veteran in there. So I do think there is room for him to grow. Plus the scoring upside is just immense in a passion home led offense. So yes, I am. I am believing it. But one of the things that will monitor is I know it sounds crazy, but pass pro, I want to hear him improving. I want to hear that they're going to trust him to be a three down back. But another thing I, I do want to talk about too is, one of the things that happened last year was Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson re-signed for just one-year deals. They have not been re-signed yet. This is big news. Like Nicole Harmon, for example, if he goes into that offense as a full-time player, that could be really huge for him, especially in later in drafts. I know Tyree Kittle and you know Travis Kelsey are studs, but you know Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson both leaving potentially opens up a lot of opportunities for a guy like him. So just another thing that's thought was important to note. But you just touched on it earlier too. A lot of movement up front. We'll see how that works out with continuity. But, yeah, Scott, what do you think about Clyde? Uh, I think his ceilings, his ceiling is the same. I do think his overall projection is going to be going to be less. But the reality is he was a rookie running back trying to learn the scheme without a uh, preseason last, se- uh, last year due to COVID. And not that it matters for him, but there was a lot of expectations that he was going to be Brian Westbrook because Westbrook played for Andy Reid. And he did – look, Brian Westbrook <laughs> – when he was playing with the Eagles was literally the one of the best backs in the entire NFL. Um, so it's like, if we were comparing CEH to Westbrook, we would be expecting like an Alvin Kamara type season. And that just wasn't realistic last season. So I do think he does have a good ceiling. Um, although I just don't, uh, I just don't think he's necessarily going to be doing it this year. Now, look, is he a top 12 running back? I don't think so this season. There's a lot of other guys coming up. I like Cam Akers. I like DeAndre Swift. Uh, we'll get into NFC on Thursday. I'll talk about that later, but um, he's not going to be in my top 12. Uh, but look, if the PPR upside continues, they don't have Damian Williams. They don't have Le'Veon Bell. If they don't bring anybody else in, I like CEH a lot. If they do bring in another running back, that's obviously just going to be even worse there. Okay. Um, Quick question here again. Akash, I appreciate you sticking around for the entire episode, my man. Um, appreciate the love. Do you guys have a Twitter? We do. You can find me. Uh, here, let me bring up the handles really quick here. Uh, boom. And if you uh, look on our nameplates on the screen, uh, I'm at Sky Guasco, my name, uh, generally the host of TCK Pod. You can find Bobby LaMarco at 
FFX Factor. And then Joe as well at Fantasy Football Analyst on Twitter. It's FF underscore Analyst. Uh, Joe is primarily on Instagram, though, at uh, fantasy.football.analyst. Uh, so make sure to go check him out. But again, uh, I really do appreciate uh, you sticking around for the show. Tell a friend and, and let's get a party going for uh, Thursday. All right, boys, um, let's get through the rest of these here. Um, oh, quick thoughts, uh, Bobby, 30 seconds or so on Jared Cook. One year, $6 million with the Chargers. Uh, he's He's got ties to new OC Joe Lombardi from his days in New Orleans. So, it, Donald Parham, it was uh, it was a glimmer of hope. Oh, we all had, we had oh. that heart flutter. We had that heart flutter. We almost, I got really emotional thinking he's going to be the guy when Hunter Henry signed, and then one day later that got ripped away. So, I think Jared Cook is going to be in, involved. I mean, we've seen Joe Lombardi's offenses involved, tight end. I mean, he's been QB's coach for years with the Saints. But then he had a two-year stint as the Lions OC or a year and a half. And that year they did draft Eric Ebron and tried to feature him in the passing game. And listen, outside of Keenan Allen, you have Mike Williams, you have Austin Eckler. But this offense, there is room for a tight end. So I do think that, you know, based on what I'm seeing, Hunter Henry vacated 93 targets. That's plenty of targets for him to be a low-end tight end one. Honestly, even if he gets 80, I think he's going to be fine. And Austin, uh, uh, Austin Hooper, wow. Um, Justin Herbert uh, does love his tight end. His years at Oregon, he – he used to feature the tight end as well, so I think there's plenty of room. Joe, you have another mention before we move on? Yeah, I was way into the Darnold Parham thing, too. I was just so hoping that he would get his yeah. chance. And honestly, like Jared Cook being 34 years old, it, it doesn't – like he's not tied to the starting position like Hunter Henry was. And that's like my opinion on that. So if Darnold Parham comes in and keeps making plays and makes plays consistently – then I could see a world where either he's splitting with Cook or maybe he gets the priority and Cook is still involved in one way or another. Um, and also, I just want to mention Mike Williams. They can cut him and save about $16 million in cash. I think they and, probably will. I like Mike Williams yeah. a lot, but I think they probably will and draft somebody else. Yeah. So, and I think they're talking, yeah, they're talking about a restructure with him right now. And if he doesn't agree to that, then they'll probably just cut him because that saves up a ton of cap space. Yeah. Well, they got Jalen Guyton, who did some good things last year. He's a deep name to monitor. If they do cut Mike Williams and they don't add a premier pick in the draft, Jalen Guyton did show some flashes with Justin Herbert. But Donald Parham, this might be a time to buy really low on him in Dynasty because we saw this. A great example is Darren Waller. Jared Cook, ironically enough, was ahead of him in Oakland. He stopped in for a year. Then he started getting a little action towards the end of the season, and bam, he's a stud. Donald Parham could be that kind of guy. So if you can get him really cheap in Dynasty, this might be time to buy him. I, that's a, I think that's a great call, Bobby. And look, this could just be like a veteran leadership coming to a young team. You still have a, not a rookie, but a second year quarterback. Um, you don't have a lot of leadership in the pass catching weapons. Keenan Allen's the the only veteran by far. And then, you know, Parham's who's a younger guy as well. So yeah. Jared Cook could come in as the starter and then they run two sets or whatever and kind of fade him out. Yeah. Parham's only 23. There you go. Dang, really? Oh, oh. Crazy. All right. Let's I'm move buying. On I'm going right now. I'm buying. I'm buying. Let's go. <laughs> Let's move on to the uh, Raiders. We got a few more teams here. I want to start uh, getting crush mode here. We got to get through the. So I have to get through the Patriots, which is going to be about thirty minutes. Um, so, Kenyon Drake, <clears throat> two-year deal, eleven million dollars. They already have Josh Jacobs. John Brown comes in, thirty-one years old, one million or one year for almost four million. And then they re-sign Theoretic and Zay Jones as well. So we don't need to talk about Theoretic and Zay Jones. 
But Kenyon Drake going from the Cardinals to the Raiders, they already have Josh Jacobs. These guys were teammates at Alabama. We'll see if they do a little two-headed monster there. And then John Brown coming over from the Bills, 31 years old, signs a one-year deal. Uh, Joe, we'll start off with you here. How do you feel about Kenyon Drake and John Brown? Um, I, I Honestly, I was so on the fence about what to do with Josh Jacobs for 2020. Uh, 2021. So I'm thankful for Kenyon Drake just, you know, making my decision for me and just allowing me to stay away and not have to worry about that. (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, Kenyon Drake is a much bigger threat than Devontae Booker. Obviously, I mean, he could take away early downs. He could take away uh, um, goal line. He could take away most importantly passing game, which Josh Jacobs didn't really have anyway. Uh, You know, he, he said himself he wanted 60 targets last year and he ended up getting like 40 or getting like 33 catches on it or whatever it was. So, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely a messy situation. Josh Jacobs really falls into the low running back two, borderline running back three type area in terms of ranking him. So, yeah, definitely a situation I want to stay away from. Uh, in terms of John Brown, um, you know, getting rid of Nelson Aguilar and not really having just any other weapons on offense, uh, maybe Brown can amount to something, but again, just kind of that hit or miss weekly type matchup situation. Uh, we'll see how Henry Ruggs progresses because he didn't really do all that much last year other than the Jets letting him walk in on that game-winning touchdown drive because they went all-out rush in the last play of the game, which mm-hmm. still mind-blowing. But um, yeah, so uh, not a huge fan of Kenyon Drake for fantasy allowing me to stay away from Josh Jacobs. Thankful for that. And not really touching John Brown either. Couldn't said it better myself about Josh Jacobs or Kenyon Drake. <laughs> like, oh my God. It's it's really telling because Kenyon Drake could have arguably been one of the top three backs in free agency. And they went out and got him, even though they spent a first round pick on Josh Jacobs. So, you know, that's, that's, that's going to be interesting to say the least. It's going to be a split backfield and, and a team that's really shaken up their offensive line too. They traded yeah. away like two guys. They let go another guy too. So it's just been a lot of movement up front. John Brown, I might be a minority. I love it. I've, I like Nelson Aguilar. You never would think Nelson Aguilar was this kind of great deep threat from his days in Philly. And then he actually averages over 18 yards a catch with the Raiders last year. That's John Brown. Like that's, that's what he does best. And the John Brown has a lot of success going to teams and succeeding in year one. We saw with the Ravens a couple years ago with Joe Flacco because he's elite. And then you have the Buffalo oh, Bills before, <laughs> before <laughs> Stephon Diggs. Last year, two years ago, it was John Brown. John Brown was extremely consistent right around that top 24. I think he could be absolutely a low-end wide receiver too in this offense because Derek Carr, listen, he's competent enough to support – guys in that passing game so i think john brown to me is definitely going to be he's probably going to be a double digit round pick that you can get and i think he's a must grab and then josh jacobs forget it i'm not going to deal with that and i think overall they they need to address a little bit more on the line as well totally agree moving on here miami dolphins jacoby Brissett comes in to back up tua uh there was some talk early on about tua and deshaun watson we're not going to get into all that, but they bring in Jacoby Brissett, which makes me think that they're at least not 100% in love with Tua. We'll see what happens. One year, $7.5 million deal. Malcolm Brown, kind of that third wheel with the Rams, played well with the opportunity, but never really could get going behind Gurley for a while. And then uh, Akers and, and Henderson last year, 27 years old, one-year deal, uh, almost $2 million. And then the big one, Will Fuller, one-year, $10 million. Look, last year he was lighting the league on fire for eight games, gets suspended for PEDs. He will miss the first game of the 2021 season. So in redraft, people will be talking about that ad nauseum, so we'll stay out of it for now. But make sure you're just baking that into ADP. In Dynasty, and it's probably even worth it, 
if he can stay healthy um, to keep him on your on your message. So again, for sake of time, guys, we're going to skip Brissett, skip Brown. Um, I will start with you, Bobby, on this one. And uh, thoughts on Will Fuller to uh, Miami Dolphins? Well, Fuller was drafted by George Godsey, who was the offensive coordinator in Houston when they drafted him. So there is some familiarity there. So obviously, he likes Will Fuller enough to you know convince the coaching staff to bring him over. So there is some familiarity with that offense a little bit. I know they're doing the two two head monster at offensive coordinator, which you know whoever. But I think Will Fuller, listen, he's a great compliment for a guy like Devontae Parker. Parker is more of a physical one on one outside wide receiver that can get those tough contested catches, and Will Fuller could take the top off. So it's going to be on Tua. Can Tua really support two outside wide receivers with Mike Chiziki? Then you got Preston Williams coming back. So I think it's a lot of mouths to feed in, in an offense that hasn't proven they can throw for volume. But I will say this, Miles Gaskin. This is kind of good news. If Brown's the only guy they bring in who's been a career backup, that means Gaston could be back as the lead back and he's someone to monitor because he had a lot of good weeks for this team overall. So I think Will Fuller, to me, I'm not sure if I'm going to be buying him. It's going to depend on ADP. Savon Ahmed too, should be back as well. And, and uh, even a three-headed monster. Look, there's also talks that the Dolphins might go and, and uh, make a move for Najee Harris early and, and pair up to a Najee Harris potentially there as well. So we'll see what happens. All right, Joe, we have buried the lead long enough. We're going to turn you loose here um, on the New England Patriots. I actually have two banners worth of information because I can only fit so much text <laughs> into one single banner. So let me run through this one, and we'll get into the other one. I'm going to turn you loose on this, and we'll have Bobby finish us out here. So Cam Newton re-signs a one-year $5 million deal. Nelson Aguilar comes in two years, $26 million. I'm going to repeat that, ladies and gentlemen. Nelson Aguilar, who got kicked out of Philadelphia because he couldn't catch the ball, had one pretty decent year for the Raiders, who aren't that good. Two years, $26 million. My boy Kendrick Bourne, who might be the best receiver on the Patriots, I'll just throw that out there, gets signed for a three-year, $15 million deal as well. Again, we'll start with this banner, and I'll get into uh, the tight ends in a minute. So Cam Newton, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Joe, it's all you. So Cam Newton, as a Patriots fan, I'm actually a fan of the signing. Um, I, I, I like it. The Patriots went 7-9 and nine with nothing to work with last year. I mean, their left tackle is coming off an Achilles tear. Uh, Marcus Cannon opted out. They were missing a lot of other offensive linemen throughout the year. On top of that, they had no receivers. Julian Edmond only played six games. Their wide receiver won for – a large portion of the year was Jacoby Myers, who was an undrafted free agent. So Cam didn't really have anything to work with. He was coming off a foot injury that almost ended his career. And uh, he came in and he scored 12 rushing touchdowns. They were one yard away from beating Seattle and being an eight and eight team. So uh, yeah, I mean, give him all this help. And I think Cam's going to be a low QB one. I think he's shooing for a top 15, um, you know, top 10 potential type guy, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, um, we're going to get into the tight ends in a second, but, you know, not overly uh, enthusiastic about these guys for fantasy football purposes. Mostly like mostly going to be boomer bust type plays, especially uh, if Julian Edelman does stick around. I think he'll still end up being the lead on this offense in terms of the wide receivers. But um, definitely intriguing names, good signings, good depth. And that's something the Patriots have been lacking in a while, in a very long time. They have not had good wide receiver depth, so just uh, some smaller names to keep their wide receiver group afloat. I absolutely agree. Let's get into the tight ends. I'll let you keep going here. John Smith, the big signing, this really opened up free agency as far as big moves here. John Smith, 25 years old, four year, $50 million deal. Again, that's significant coin for John Smith. Um, and then they turned around and bring in Hunter Henry as well, which is quite a shocker. Um, 
And then uh, my boy James White and Rex Burkhead, both running backs still at large. I think a lot of people assume James White going to head down to uh, Tampa and, and follow Brady, and then we'll see what happens with uh, Burkhead. But let's talk about the two tight ends here, uh, John Smith and Hunter Henry. Obviously, the easy comparisons are the Hernandez and Gronkowski, but the more yeah. and more you talk about that and hear about it, that is almost something that's impossible to happen again. Like the target share that they had, the type of athletes that both of those guys were, what that team was, who Brady was at that point of his career in 2011, playing at an MVP level, Super Bowl every year pretty much. Um, different quarterback, different scheme, different offense, different weapons all around, different team entirely than the Patriots uh, 10 years later coming into 2021. So how do you feel about this two-headed tight end monster here in, in New England with John Smith and Hunter Henry? At first when I saw it, I was like, yeah, what are they doing? Like I saw John New and I'm like, yeah, you know, awesome. We got our tight end. And then I saw Hunter Henry. I'm like, okay, Bill's doubling down. You know, you got you to gotta believe in Bill. You know, as a Patriots fan, yeah. we've seen some weird stuff. I remember a while ago they brought in Tim Tebow for, like, the offseason. We were like, oh, you know, we're going to run two QB sets. We're going to have Tim Tebow coming. <laughs> so, you know, there's always talk about random crap like that and some creative offenses. But, yeah, I mean, I, I like this. I like this. And for fantasy purposes, I'm about it too because it really dropped Hunter Henry's fantasy stock for a lot of people because of the fact that they have John New and Hunter Henry, but I'm all over it. Cam Newton last year, he averaged 24.5 passing attempts per game uh, in those 15 games. Let's say Hunter Henry, I mean, who, who's to say he can't get six or seven of those targets per game? And I, I think we talked about it before. Bobby said there's potential for even more pass attempts uh, this upcoming year, which I'm sure he'll get into, but point being if hunter henry can snag seven or eight of those targets per game it doesn't really matter what the rest of the situation is if that other guy is john o. smith so i always say like if instead of bringing hunter henry and john o. smith in what if it was hunter henry and maybe someone like will fuller because they're two different positions people wouldn't even think twice they'd be like oh henry's gonna be fine he'll be a top five top ten tight end whatever um obviously cam not being a great passer last year doesn't help but hunter henry alone i think he's gonna be a constant on the field I think he's going to be um, an every down type of guy. I think Johnu is going to filter in as the playmaker. I think he's going to be, they're going to have schemed up plays for him. They're probably going to toy with him in the backfield, which the Titans did a little bit too. Um, Johnu may be a little bit more towards the red zone, but yeah, I think Henry's going to be that possession receiver. I think he's going to finish the year with most targets in the team. And if you can get Henry past the 10th, 11th round, I think he's going to be a steal this year. Where would you have, who would you have higher in your rankings in tight end? Um, I and you can never really do this with receivers, but I feel like in standard, I'd have, um, or I guess non PPR because PPR is the new standard essentially. But uh, I'd have Janu higher in a non PPR and Henry higher in a PPR, just because, like I said, I think Henry's going to be that possession type guy. I think he's going to be the between tackles guy. I think Janu is going to be the playmaker, and when it comes to the red zone, he's you know he he might be their guy there. So. I, uh, overall, I do like Hunter Henry a little better, but I think Janu has some late round uh, big game potential as well. I just looked at the last report I can find, unless you have some insider scoop here for us. Uh, late <laughs> February, Julian Edelman still unsure if he can even, as of right now, participate in 2021. Not like yeah. miss a couple of games, play it all in 2021 with another knee injury. He is obviously that's huge. Toughest, the toughest receiver I have ever seen. I always, as a Patriots fan, I always think back to the one uh, Super Bowl against Seattle. He took that direct hit, direct hit from Cam Chancellor, full speed, 
stayed up and then kept going for the extra yardage. I mean, that was just the most impressive play other than, you know, the, obviously the Falcons catch. But, um, yeah, Edelman's a tough guy. He's got that bone-on-bone knee issue that Todd Gurley has. Um, thankfully, he's not a running back, so he hasn't had it as bad. But uh, he's starting to get the point of his career. He's 34th, almost 35 years old. So, um, But even without him there, I, I still think that wide receiver group is going to be hit or miss on some of these guys, and the tight ends are going to dominate no matter what. Um, running back-wise, they weren't really a factor in the passing game last year. And maybe that's part of the double tight end is they, them assuming that Julian's not going to be a part yep. of it. So just weapons, get another, you know. just, just weapons for Cam, absolutely. All right, let's finish it up here, boys. We are uh, getting long in the tooth. Uh, once again, if you're still with us, appreciate you chiming in. We'll be back with Joe once again on Thursday to break down the NFC side of things. Bobby, take us out here with the New York football Jets. Corey Davis, 26 years old, comes in from the Titans three years. $37.5 million deal. Keelan Cole, 28, comes in from Jacksonville, one year, $5.5 million. There was some murmurs in the bushes here as these reports are coming out that Keelan Cole apparently had just as much, if not more, recognition and phone calls as the big guys did, like Juju and uh, Kenny Galladay um, and Corey Davis even. So Keelan Cole might be a sleeper in NFL purposes and fantasy. He hasn't really panned out, but he has been with Jacksonville. So Finish it up here with the Jets, Corey Davis and Keelan Cole. Yeah, so Corey Davis, like over the last three years, he's been in a very similar offense because Matt LaFleur in 2018 installed that West Coast offense that Arthur Smith kept running for the last two years. That's He's a, Mike Shan- a Kyle Shanahan guy. So that right there tells me that the new coaching staff for the Jets bringing over that Shanahan scheme with uh, Mike LaFleur, who's Matt's brother. So Corey Davis has an understanding of how that offense works. In the past, now I'm not saying this is going to be a thing, but in the past, prior to the last couple of seasons, this offense produces high-volume X receivers, dominant outside guys. We saw with Monte Adams last year, Julio Jones back in Atlanta with Kyle Shanahan at a 200-target season. We also saw guys like Pierre Garçon, even Andre Johnson, had monster seasons. So I think Corey Davis has the potential to have a huge ceiling in targets, especially with guys like Denzel Perriman. Um, sorry, not Denzel, but Denzel Mims. Yeah, Mims coming back, obviously, but this is a different coaching staff. We don't know how they feel about uh, Denzel Mims. Jamison Crowder, I heard, could be a cap casualty now that they have Keelan Cole in there as the slot receiver. That makes a lot of sense. Seems a little redundant to pay both those guys in the slot. But I do think there's a lot of opportunity here for Corey Davis. It's going to really ride on where he lands in ADP. If he finishes right around the seventh round, I think I'd be interested in taking a shot on him because he does have a huge target ceiling in this offense. Excellent. Any last comments there from Joe on the New York Jets? Um, not entirely, other than the fact that Chris Herndon's season is uh, still on the works. <laughs> we're still in, we're still in training camp for for, uh, for can't wait. Yeah, for Chris for Chris Herndon's season, we're yeah we're we're ready for that. Well, we appreciate you sticking around here. Um, we are going to do this all over again on Thursday once again. So we do want to give a shout out. To our boy, Joe Volpe, a.k.a. Fantasy Football Analyst. It's been a long time in the making, man. I would love to uh, make this a regular occurrence uh, with you on here. I know that um, Bobby and I uh, really appreciate your work, and we would love to have you on um, as often as you would be willing to give us some of your time, brother. So please, uh, on our way out of here, why don't you please let everybody know where they can find all of your content and what you have going on. 
Yeah, sure. So uh, definitely appreciate that. Definitely love to come back, have a blast with you guys. And uh, I'll be back Thursday, so get a little more taste of that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you can find me on Instagram. It's right there. I think, oh, it's it's reversed. That's weird. But, oh. <laughs> like, my hand is reversed. But We can we can see it, yeah. No, there you go. So <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram, fantasy.football.analyst, uh, Twitter, the FF Analyst. I got my website, also the FF Analyst, trying to get my YouTube going up. Guess what? The FF Analyst. So, uh, yeah, just different ways. You can always, you know, feel free to reach out, get in touch with uh, you guys ever want any advice. I do posts mostly daily. And, yeah, that's me. Oh, again, backwards. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> that's me. So uh, appreciate you guys having me on and uh, can't wait till Thursday. Awesome, bro. Well, appreciate having you on as well. Everybody go check out the Fantasy Football Analyst. That's my boy, Joe Volpe. Always a pleasure to have you around here, man. Thanks again. It's been a long time coming. Bobby Lamarco, you can catch him on Twitter at FFXFactor on Instagram as well. And you can find me at Sky Guasco, my name. You can also find the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod on Instagram at FantasyFootball underscore TCK Pod. And you can find us anywhere you're listening to your podcast. Make sure to subscribe right here on the channel. Hit the bell. Give us a comment. Give us a like and make sure you give us follows on all of our social medias. Shouts out to the Jersey Jungle. Make sure you DM at the Jersey Jungle on Facebook and we will get out of here. For Bobby Lamarco and for Joe Volpe, I am your host, Sky Guasco. We're going to do this all over again on Thursday. Tell your friends, tell your family. We got the NFC coming up. Episode 372 of the TCK Pod in the books. We're out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.